Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Decided Heart Effect, where we want you to take action and be inspired to live with a decided heart. My name is Sonia Montiel, and I have my amazing co-host, Hilary Bilbrey. Hi, Hilary. And Hilary, we are in the presence of an extraordinary woman, Deborah Stathis, from Australia. And she has an extraordinary story about turning tragedy into opportunities. And I just want to repeat that turning tragedy into opportunity, because I don't think we hear that enough. She is the founder of Tragic Opportunities, helping others live out their best lives. She's also the author of Beyond Trauma, which I know, Deborah, you're going to talk a little bit more about where this book came from. But first, I just we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute privilege. We got to know you a little bit. We had a conversation already. And first of all, she's in Australia, which is very fun. But we had this, as you maybe our listeners can hear that, um, but we were talking to you about your extraordinary life and what led to where you are now. Can you bring our listeners sort of up to speed on what brought you to being the coach and the person that you are today? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Beautiful introduction as well. Uh, so I'm my passion and I really do live my passion, which I'm grateful for, um, which is also a really good healing part of everything as well, which uh, makes sense in a moment. So I guess my journey is, is um, there's been a lot of trauma. There's been trauma experienced through early childhood, uh, adolescence, and also in my adult life. There's a real key big one, and the big one was when I, well, I nearly died in a car accident. Exact. <laughs> Blunt, if you will. So I was 19 years old and, and uh, due to uh, terrible road circumstances, or oil slick on the road, rain, etc., and my lack of uh, ability to save myself, the short version, um, I ended up with my car wrapped around a telegraph pole. Mm-hmm. And the impact was on the driver's side door in my 1985 Toyota Corolla Seeker, which had no airbags mm. so again the short version of that is that um, I'm lucky to be alive mm. uh, whilst I didn't actually break any bones in my body I did have lung contusion bruising and bleeding to the left lung partially collapsed left lung bruising and bleeding actually to both lungs um, the massive impact was my face put it into context I broke my lower jaw my upper jaw my cheekbone the eye orbit my forehead, my nose, my cheekbone, my upper jaw. And the worst break was through the sinuses and what your brain sits on internally, so the skull base, through there. And I also have an acquired brain injury because of that. So I've had my face reconstructed and there's all sorts of things in here now. Um, And uh, I have had uh, neurosurgery, brain surgery as well. Uh, The prognosis was brain damaged, blind in the right eye, physically not looking like herself, to be blunt. She won't be very pretty. And a life reliant on others, memory loss, cognitive dysfunction. Um, she won't be able to learn. She'll, you know, and I was hearing these things, you know. I'm very pleased and very proud to say I beat every single medical odd in that regard. There are a few things that are there that were expected, of course, numbness and vision impairment and things like that. I'm not blind, by the way, which is great in that eye. <laughs> um However, yeah, I'm completely independent. I've created a life with two beautiful children. 
and I created methods and processes. I dedicated myself to research and education and went inside and outside the box. And I, I've, I've seen people through re- rehabilitation and through my professional career that, that uh, life, you know the saying, life gets the better of you, so to speak, yeah. use a generalised comment there. I've seen that happen and I thought, I thought to myself, if I can rebuild myself quite literally, the way my brain works, my face, my life, everything, if I can rebuild myself from that young age and continue doing so because things continue to pop up to this day many years later, then I can teach others to do that too in a personal and professional setting. And now I'm absolutely passionate about doing that. And I'm grateful for my experience because I got in touch with my calling. Can I, I would just love to hold some space a bit because I remember um, a story you told after the accident. And I just want to remind everyone, 19, 19 years old in terms of, you know, we celebrate that time where we're so idealistic and there's optimism and there's energy and youth. We are at our prime, you know, for that. Indestructible. <laughs> Indestructible. And especially, you know, the face area. So you were completely bandaged and, and um, the nurse and the staff did something. Um, I don't know if you, they did something on purpose. And what yes. remember that story? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Would you like me to share that full story? Uh, because really, that's where the trajectory of my life changed. For sure. Yes. Okay, I will. Thank you. I when I was in the uh, hospital, so obviously I was in intensive care for quite some time, and um, uh, they had to wait before they did a number of surgeries, swelling and things, especially with the brain. They had to wait for swelling to go down before they could do surgeries and things. So. Initial reconstruction, so where the metal was put in my face, I now call myself the Terminator, affectionately. Uh, <laughs> the most beautiful Terminator I've ever seen. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, that's lovely. And I, while I was, you know, in, in the, um, I was sort of moved out of the probably the tighter uh, uh, ICU. I had caught, and I don't really remember this because of the brain injury and the, the strong medications that I was on as well, um, pain management and infection prevention, etc. But I have a dreamlike memory of it, um, which is traumatic enough. I caught a glimpse of my reflection in the mirror. Didn't go down well. So the nurses and the doctors covered the mirrors in the hospital to avoid any additional trauma because... You know, yeah, I'd already gone through quite a bit. Uh, and so I started, I had the larger, the other surgeries and um, I was released into a rehabilitation centre, which is part of the process um, here in Australia, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and I'm sitting in my little room on my own, in my, the rehabilitation centre, far less medication, still a lot, but, you know, I'm not intravenously attached to anything anymore. And... I'm sitting there and, and I'm sort of really on my own for the first time and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this little room and then I spot it. There's a little basin in my room and you can guess what's above the basin? A mirror mm-hmm. and that mirror was not covered. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it and I remember that heart-sinking feeling 
that multiplied by about a million, I think. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to put my hands on the side of the bed. And this is the first part. Go and look, Deb. You've got to look. Go and look, Deb. I don't know how long it took me sit, sitting there before I actually got there or, or how long it took me to shuffle my way because I was, I'd had my jaw wired internally and I couldn't eat much. I was super skinny and anemic and yeah. anyway, so I was pretty weak. So getting there was not that it was far, probably took me a while anyway. I got there and I remember I, I, I had my head down and I was looking down at the little sink. And again, I don't know how long I sat, stood there with my head down, but I did look up. And I'll never forget that. I looked and I looked hard and oh, I cried because I wasn't looking at who I remembered. Certainly the expression in my eyes was definitely different. And, you know, this, because the impact was this side, um, driver's side door in Australia is the other side <laughs> as well, uh, to clarify. Um, uh, whilst it was really my whole face, this side's worse. So from the uh, internally on, under the eye as well this side was worse in terms of um, damage so this side of my face after the reconstruction was sunken lower there was cuts and bruising my eyelid was closed um, so there was nerve damage so I couldn't control the nerve that, that controls your eyelid to open and close and my eye was fixed and dilated again thankful I'm not blind but it, it I didn't um, have um, control over that at the time and I looked in, like I said, I cried, and I had a I had a scarf over the top of my head covering uh, the incision. So the incision runs ear to ear across the top of my head for the brain surgery and the plates that were put into my forehead. And I pulled that down. I had half my head shaved, and I think it was in like 72 metal staples or something. Anyway, I looked, and uh, ooh, I cried more. <laughs> then I sort of... I remember I looked at that room and I thought this little room was like the representation of everything I was hearing. She can't, she won't, she won't look like she used to, she won't be able to, she'll be reliant on you. I was like, no. And my first feeling when I looked at myself was fear. I mean, fear we retract, right? It's usually our first instinct. Oh, no. The thing is when we retract in fear, we get exactly the thing we don't want. Mm. Now, fear is an incredibly powerful emotion. And in that moment, yeah, initially, no. And something hit me because I'm looking around going, I don't want this. I thought about everything I wanted. I was and still am and vivacious, extroverted um, and, and somewhat flamboyant personality that wanted to travel and learn and, and go out. And, and I was actually studying fashion at the time and it's an interest, was always going to be an interest. But, you know, what a... You can sense my personality anyway. I'm still like that. I'm thinking, oh, my friends, very social person, my relationships with my family, I don't want my mother to be my carer. I don't want to miss out on doing things. I thought, no. So that vision of what I wanted, I don't want to lose that. So my fear, so there's fear of what I'm being told. Oh, I'm scared, retreat, except really you end up getting what you don't want. Or fear of not getting what I did want. Mm. So when I focused on that, when I realised actually I'm more scared of not getting what I want, mm. I was able to channel fear. 
and, and these words right now and that moment where that, that, that flick happened and that moment, and I remember I looked in the mirror and I remember thinking, and I say these words to myself now and I come back to this same method I have in my life now so many times and I looked and I went, okay, Deb, you're here now. What are you going to do? Acceptance. You're here. I can't pretend it's not. I can't accept it. I'm scared. You're here. What can I do? Focus. Not focus on what I, on what I can't do or what I'm being told I can't do. Mm. Not being, not focusing on that. Focusing on, okay, maybe, maybe not. Focusing on what I can do, what I do want, what I can do, not what I don't want. When we focus on what we don't want, we create more of it. Mm. Focus on what you do want. And I can tell you now from that moment onwards, it was just that one extra step each day, just something small each day that creates a flow, builds confidence, and you become more focused. I wowed them. I was released from rehabilitation something like a month earlier. Wow. I was back at work that same year. That's crazy. You are just, you really, truly are such a miracle in so many ways. I mean, not just what you have been through and then what you give back and, but just who you are and who you have always been. And there's so many things that are, that are resonating and going through my head as you're talking. Um, You know, the funny thing, the one that keeps coming to me is uh, we had a a guest, Lori Schneider on with MS who got to the top of, of um, uh, Everest and it was foggy. So she couldn't look out and see the you're at the top of the world. You can't see the world. And then I, and then she says, you, so what do you do? You look within. And yeah. I feel like that the whole time you were talking, that was resonating to me, like in the most beautiful way possible. It's like, you became a friend to your heart again, like that you, you connected with your heart and you said, this is who I am. The rest mm-hmm. of this is not who I am. Yes. Right. And you saw that you saw beyond. And that to me is so powerful. And your message especially resonates to me as we, I I know you just told us actually that you're on lockdown now again with COVID Mm -hmm. in Australia. We're right now, I mean, the first time sort of re-emerging in the US, we'll see how things go. But I'm seeing Deb, so many people that are paralyzed right now because for over a year, everything seemed to be stripped away and taken away and the life they thought wasn't. And now how do they go back? And this, this idea of one step, this has been a big tragedy in a lot of ways, but there is some opportunity. Can you talk to our, our listeners and our viewers about how do you find that next step? How do you hang your, that anchor to, to, to propel you to the next place. And, that, and that's really key, isn't it? Um, and, and that's what I what I call a tragic opportunity. I, I coined the term as I started moving into the space of coaching and, and writing. Um, uh, and it stuck, and I, so now it's the name of my business as well, because that's really the essence, because um, it encompasses what I was talking about there as well, about your focus and what you can do. And also... Key to that before I sort of describe what a tragic, what the tragic opportunities process is, is that in terms of focus, when we think about the life we had or the life we thought we wanted, things happen which change our perspective, um, impact what's important to us, or, or, or perhaps give us an opportunity to identify what truly matters. 
uh, as well. Perhaps it's a realisation that maybe the way we were living wasn't necessarily as aligned to who we are as, you know, as uncomfortable as that is. That's what these sorts of situations give us, that opportunity to go, you know what, actually, no, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. And that was a moment there for me as well, going, well, okay, I, I, there was ideas that I had. I did outgrow them. There were certain ways and things that I did that, yeah, I did outgrow. I knew the way I wanted to live, and I'm talk, talking from the heart. But the things around um, how that was going to happen, I became more open to. I became more open to it, and that's how we can create steps. That's when we can see our options as well. So I thought it was important to highlight that um, because when I talk about tragic opportunities, so what a tragic opportunity is, is the tragedy is the trauma, stress, adversity, uh, uh, emotion or guilt, for example, that we experience, stress, whether that's physical, emotional, com combination, they usually combine anyway, whatever that is, it's that, that's the, that's the trauma, that's the tragedy. The opportunity is what we can do. So the opportunity is the lesson, what we can learn about ourselves and how then, and this is the important part, how we then choose to use that learning to make decisions to improve ourself and our life. So when we say, okay, let's have, let's have a think. I've broken down the process and when I coach it as well into, um, into a two-step process. So uh, the first step is personal assessment. So it's a review of yourself, your beliefs, behaviours, actions, feelings, responses, etc. Because really this is what happens. Something occurs often out of our control, like COVID, let's say, and it brings up stuff. Trauma brings up other trauma. Mm -hmm. And there's often things about, well, hang on. Like in my instance, a lot of things came up from my childhood in my, um, my trauma with my car accident because it was the way I had learnt, observed, experienced things that were impacting perhaps the way I, I was reacting, not responding, there's a difference, reacting to things. But that, that brought it to the surface. So when we sit and purposely go, okay, hang on, let me think about this. If I don't like this situation, why is that? What's behind that? Why am I truly getting upset? We often miss this step. Um, and I won't go too much further into that due to, due to time, but just to give you an overview, the, the second part is action plan. I'm all about action. You can get as much insight as you want. If you do nothing about it, you're just going to revert to what you had before. Action plan. So... You're here now. What are you going to do? So what are you going to do? So this is where you take that knowledge about yourself and you take action. You create a plan. Take that information. Go, okay, what, do, what can I address? What can I look at differently? What goals can I set myself? What can I learn? How can I become better in touch with myself and others? What's really important to me and how do I make that happen? So for me, I'll give you an example. I got home. Yes, I was released early, which was great. I have an acquired brain injury. My brain doesn't work the way it used to. So thankfully I'm not relying on others and I, I, I have memory and I hope, thankfully. Um, that said, when I first got home, I noticed that my behaviour wasn't the same. I noticed that the way I learnt wasn't the same. The way I processed information wasn't the same. 
Now I could have just, oh, okay, I had a brain injury, and you know, which understandable. But instead, I went, what can I do about it? Mm. And I went above and beyond the rehabilitation. I went and I researched and I found different types of, of things to do. Health and fitness became a very, very important um, part of my um, my life because um, you know healthy body healthy mind energy uh, strength I was actually trying to put weight on I was incredibly thin because I couldn't eat for months um, <laughs> liquid diet um, and, and not the champagne type of liquid diet um, <laughs> <Not our> kind. <laughs> so you know it was it was about that and I found different ways and I improved my cognitive function improved you know I, I took up things, conventional and unconventional methods, kinesiology, acupuncture, cognitive behaviour therapy, meditation, mindfulness, just to name a few. It's, it's, it's big. There's a lot to it. <laughs> you know, I, I think about um, the fear and that it's almost, and it's a blanket statement that when we retract and we're, we embrace ourselves with fear, that it almost becomes easier that it's like, it's a comfort to stay here. It's a comfort to put a blanket over my head and not look and, and mill in that. And the, the, the notion of decided yeah. heart is what you, everything you described, the decided heart moment is taking the, we say courage a lot, right, Hillary? We do. The courage to unveil the fear and just take one step out yeah. and say, and what you said, Deborah, which is so powerful, what is here? What is here now? And then, of course, the next step would be, and what can I do? Yeah. It, you know, for some of us, it's, it takes so much work to do that. But if we could just unveil that fear and, and stop, retry, and just show up, perhaps we see the new reality. And that, you know, yeah. I just, that's something that's just so inspiring. And yeah. of course, your story is just so traumatic. And it's like, if you could do it, <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, can, I mean, are you inspiring others to say, well, wherever my situation is, I, I can possibly unveil the fear and not have that as my comfort or my security. It's all valid. It doesn't matter whether it's, okay, sure, my situation, my example is quite, I guess, extreme in, in smash my face in. However, it's all valid, you know, when it affects your life. And here's the thing. If, if, if something is uh, causing that feeling of fear and, and paralyzing, paralyzing you, then that opportunity is the same to go, okay, why is it paralyzing me? I've got an opportunity to shift that and create the life that I want. I have that power. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not, we judge fear as bad. It's not actually bad. It's a signal. It's telling you something. As soon as we let go of that label of bad with any emotion, mind you, but as soon as we stop adding the story to the emotion. So I felt fear before and it was bad. So this is bad. I'm going to retreat because I'm scared. And if I'm scared and I retreat, I'll be safe. It doesn't actually work that way. So, which sounds counterproductive, but, you know, I'm scared. A bear's coming to me. I'm scared. I've got to retreat. Different story, right? A bear's going to try and eat you. But we we often make that that subconscious kind of association with fear. The thing is fear, like other emotions, all emotions, they're not good or bad. They just are. They're a signal. So we take the story out. Just go, okay, hang on. I feel this and I accept it. Don't bury it because then it will fester. Okay, I feel it. What is it telling me? Becoming curious about why and digging deep. Why? So, you know, if, if it's a situation where, let's say at work, there's a fear you might lose your job. Hasn't 
most people been there, especially in the last 12 months or 18 months. Um, what's the true fear about losing the job? Some people are going to react differently. Some people go, oh, I might lose my job, but I'll be okay. I'll go get another one or I'll do this. Okay. Why do some people respond like that and other people go to full meltdown, shut down, which makes them less productive at work and more likely to lose their job? Mm-hmm. Why does that happen? It's the belief system. Mm-hmm. One person believes I can find another job and they take these steps towards that. What are the odds they're going to get another job? other person if their belief is I'm not good I don't believe in myself I'm not good at what I do I'm not worthy if that's what their belief is what's going to happen are they going to have the courage to go forward find another job or are they going to retreat more likely and possibly actually jeopardize their job more that's the thing that's the opportunity to go oh, I feel like this about myself. Why? Where does that come from? Because that's not true. Mm. And that's where we ask ourselves, is this true? Why would I think that? If somebody else, if my child sat in front of me and said, I don't feel worthy, no one loves me, no one's going to hire me, I'm not good enough, what would you tell your child? Mm. What would you tell somebody who loves you that thinks the way you think about yourself? So self-talk is really important. Catch the words you say to yourself. The thing that I think is so interesting as well, listening to you is when you're talking about the word sphere, not only do we have to be careful what we say about ourselves, but I think that semantics truly are important because sometimes what we call fear is just being uncomfortable. Yes. And those are two different things, right? It's like, oh, I'm afraid of that. No, you're not. You're uncomfortable, but you're on the edge of your growth. And when you push forward, you push past that. Right. But it's easy to go to certain words. Oh, I'm angry. No, you're not angry. You're a little bit frustrated right now. And I do think that there is, it's really important for us to learn how to truly be curious about those emotions and then be able to call them out for what they are instead of taking the easy way out. Oh, no, I'm afraid. Oh, no, I'm angry. Right. No, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where that, that exploration is really important because we can sit with the, when we sit with, okay, I'm, I'm fearful, why? And we can uncover uh, perhaps a belief about ourselves. What also comes up is exactly that, is, well, hang on, why am I angry? I'm angry because if, it's a, so what, if it is anger, like with your example, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Because, well, I'm afraid this is going to happen. Oh, hang on, it's not anger. It's fear. Okay, what am I fearful of? Dig into that. This is where, yeah, get to the truth. Sit with the emotion. Don't avoid it. If you push it down, it's going to fester and come out in physical, mental health and your your um, relationships, your behaviour, everything, your perspective will get blurred. Also, it, the original story turns into something a lot worse than what it, what it was in the first place when we, when we bury things. But if we just go, okay, now I feel it. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not, I'm not going to buy into it either. I'm, I'm going to ask myself about it. I'm going to go, okay, okay, I feel you. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you for showing up. You're a signal. Emotions aren't good or bad. They are. They help me to grow. What is this telling me? And this takes practice. Start doing it. It becomes easier. We become, we become more responsive and less reactive. Hmm. 
react when we react it's impulsive it's it's uh, uh, really there's always a loss in some way when we react <laughs> you know uh, whether it's immediate or down the road it's a loss of some sort when we are responsive it's purposeful and thought out and we gain mm-hmm. sure. so these, yeah. these are the sort of things that then lead into a better life as well No, I love it. I was just going to say it really, you know, we haven't really said it in this way and you're, you're really giving me a lot to, to pause and think about funny because I was about to say pause, you know, Mm -hmm. that pause is the important part really it is. And it is what is the difference between instinct or instincts, not even the right word, but like you said, Mm -hmm. reactive Yeah, and also the decision when we talk about decided heart, that implies that we have had that moment Mm. where you are, you're not a victim. Life isn't happening to you. You are putting on your hero hat or your hero scarf or whatever we're going to, whatever we're putting on. And you're saying, Oh, I, what I do next is completely up to me. I am the hero and the author of my own story. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to like where you are. Right even if you couldn't control how you got there, mm. but you can control what you do next. Yeah. That's the thing. I wasn't, I didn't want to have my face smashed in 19. It took me 10 years to feel comfortable looking in the mirror, but I kept going. Deborah, Keep going. Yeah, for sure. What a great message. I mean, I, I think, so Beyond Trauma is a book that you've written um, about this journey and helping others live their best lives. Yes. What are, you know, there, I just appreciate so much of the wisdom that you're sharing and the different perspective. I mean, Hillary and I have been talking about decided heart effects and it is such a unique perspective that you bring to us. And I treasure that a lot. Um, so thank you. How mm-hmm. can our listeners and, and um, viewers reach out to you if they need to know more and, and get your book as well? What is the best way to, to get in contact with you? Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, um, my website, tragicopportunities.com. Um, so that's one direct way to get to me and my book <laughs> as well, which is, here's one I prepared earlier. Yeah. Oh, look at you. That's amazing. That's my book. And that is my face. That's my skull on, on the cover, pins and all. And it took me a lot to put that on there, I must admit. Um it's, it's on there and it's on there to show this is what you can do. I rebuilt myself. So it's mm. a visual of that. So that, that's my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of tools and, um, and things in there. My story is in there, but that's not the primary part of the book. It's, it's actually um, mostly filled with tools, techniques, strategies, et cetera, and expert interviews as well. Um, you can get in contact with me, my website, like I said. I'm on uh, in LinkedIn, Deborah Staffis. Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Deborah Staffis, author, speaker, coach. Uh, Tragic opportunities on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, on um, Instagram, and of course my email. So info at tragicopportunities.com. We are so thankful for the time that you spent with us, especially because you've had a bit of a traumatic day, quite frankly, with with everything shutting down. And yet here you are, you're showing up for us, for our listeners. And we will, by the way, all of those links, our, our viewers and listeners already know, will be in our notes that are a part of the description, both on 
the uh, YouTube page, as well as all of the, the platforms that everyone listens to podcasts on. So that will be all there for people to, so don't worry if you didn't have your pen or pencil out right at that exact moment. <laughs> We just really, truly want to thank you so much for this time. I felt like this has just been sacred time with you and really helping us to see that it is about putting one foot in front of the other. It's taking the next step. It's making the next decision, accepting where you are first and mm -hmm. then moving forward into action. And then to all of our listeners and our viewers, we can't wait to see you the next time on the Decided Heart of